What's up, kin folk? Welcome to the number one ranked show presented by Direct TV Stream. I am your host, RJ Young, and today we got to talk about Notre Dame's monster win against Wisconsin. We got to talk about Arkansas's monster win against Texas A&M, and we got to talk about Clemsoning is back, baby. Let's go. It's the number one ranked show. So I am at Big Ten Network Studios in Chicago because I was in Chicago to host the live tailgate on TLB on Fox with my buddy Jeff Schwartz, Deshaun Kaiser, and Chris Orr, where we talked a bunch about this game, and none of us thought it would go this way. Notre Dame stomped a mud hole in Wisconsin and walked it dry 41-13 to at Soldier Field to improve to 4-0 with the most impressive win of the entire weekend. Indian whiskey hadn't played against each other since the Civil Rights Act was signed into law in 1964, and they hadn't played against each other at Soldier Field since 1929, the year the Black Tuesday stock market crash happened. And it was a historic win for ND coach Brian Kelly, who passed Newt Rockney for most wins by an ND coach ever with 106. That means Kelly holds the record for most wins and most losses in ND history. Now, after Jack Cohen was knocked out of the game in the third quarter, with quarterback Tyler Buckner out injured, Drew Pine came in to steady and lead an ND offense that was held in check for most of the game. So it was the ND defense that starred. Wisconsin turned the ball over more times than Notre Dame rushed for yards. Notre Dame ran the ball 32 times against Wisconsin for three yards, three. This is also checks out. Coming into the game in Chicago, Wisconsin had allowed just 33 rush yards a game. Dating back to Paul Chris' first year as Wisconsin head coach, the Badgers had allowed an average of just 108 rush yards per game. Among Power 5 programs, that average is second only to Alabama, who allows a paltry 106.2 a game. Now, Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz threw four interceptions, giving him six in three games. We're seeing that three number a lot. As a true freshman, his potential in Madison was compared to that of Badger great Russell Wilson. And now, it's a yikes from me, dog. And those four interceptions Mertz threw, none of them were intercepted by that friggin' pterodactyl, also known as Kyle Hamilton. Drew White had a pick. Jack Kaiser had a pick. Cam Hart had two. And that is also a part of a forced fumble, apart from a forced fumble. And I mean, that's five turnovers. It's five turnovers, and there are only four quarters football. Goodness me. Just after the start of the fourth quarter and ND trailing 13 to 10, the game changed forever with a 96-yard kick return for touchdown by running back Chris Tyree. It was mightier than any blow Liston ever took from Ali. That return began an onslaught of Irishmen over the badges like, damn. Notre Dame scored 31 unanswered points, 14 minutes football, and the 41 points given up by the Badgers are the most an opponent has scored since 2014 Ohio State 
dropped 59 on the head. A special shout out to all of my beautiful Wisconsin Badger friends. Finally, with the win against Wisconsin, the Fighting Irish remain undefeated at Soldier Field with an overall record of 11-0-2. They also have a perfect record in the Shamrock series of 10-0. So reportedly, it's BYU that's going to be next for them. And, you know, seeing as it's the ND Shamrock series, perhaps the Cougars might think about getting that game off their schedule. Just a thought. So is this the best win of the season for any team in college football? Uh, uh, no, son. No, no. That still belongs to Oregon. They walked into the shoe in front of a sellout crowd without the best player in college football in Kayvon Thibodeau and one of the best defenders on their team in Justin Flo and soundly beating an Ohio State team that is still expected to win the Big Ten championship and perhaps make the college football playoff because, baby, Clemsoning is back. But Indy's win against Wisconsin today was one of the best wins of the year for sure. It's a push with Penn State's win against Wisconsin because, at the time, Wisconsin hadn't lost. Yes, I know. It was their first game of the season. And the Nittany Lions were on the road. And even though the Badgers were playing the visitor, it's called the Shamrock Series for a reason, I saw a majority of Wisconsin Red in Chicago while hosting CFB on Fox's live tailgate today. A special thank you to all of you who came through. It's rocking the Wakanda for you. I've always thought of Chi-Town, though, as an ND town, Subway alumni and all that. In the face of one of the best run defenses of the last half decade, ND couldn't move the ball on the ground. Shocker. But got explosive plays through the air. The third-string quarterback came off the bench to lead them to a win. And you know how much I, I truly love a scoring defense. What this game does for us, though, is prove after a shaky win against a bad Florida State team I thought was good and a dramatic comeback win at home against the Toledo team they were supposed to overpower, that Indy is an absolute threat to return to the playoff once again. The issue facing Brian Kelly's program, though, is leaving no doubt that they are one. In years when Clemson was thought to have the weakest resume among undefeated Power 5 teams, aching for a playoff invitation, they committed to burying opponents in October, November, and December. They did that not to prove a point to us, but to themselves, so that when they got to the playoff, they knew without a doubt that they were not just one of the four best teams in the country, but the best team in the entire country. And to that, I want to throw it to my man's Rocky Ismael. They have to believe when they're playing the elite of the elite that they have what it takes. Like, at the end of the day, the belief that you have is necessary to be able to take it to the next level. And you have to have what Coach Stoops had. I remember when he was at Oklahoma and Alabama was making a whole lot of noise in college football and everybody was intimidated. Everybody was like the haunted Alabama Crimson Tide can't yeah. be beat. Yeah. And I remember watching the news report and Coach Stoops was like, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, literally, he's something to that. I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing, but essentially it was with whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He believed that right. he had everything it took to meet the mightiest teams in the land and to be able to overcome. And 
that at the end of the day, that has to be a part of your foundation. If you don't have that, if you don't have that belief, regardless of who you play, when it time when it comes time to meet the giants in the land, you're not gonna be able to overcome it. My man Rahib Ramidian Ismail is right. Indeed needs an attitude adjustment. Like we have a failure here to communicate. Okay, number 16, Arkansas. Made number seven, Texas A&M, look like a Big 12 team in a 20 to 10 victory at Jerry World, where Jerry made an appearance himself. Arkansas made Texas A&M long for the Southwest Conference. Arkansas made Texas A&M wonder how much eligibility Johnny Football has left with this one win. Arkansas is four and zero for the first time since 2003. Get rich, dot try and drop. And I had it on CD. Won a game against an AP Top 7 program for the first time since 2010. And snapped a near decade-long losing streak to the ampersand U Farmers to improve. Remember I said improve? The Razorbacks overall record to 42-33-3 against ampersand U. The Hogs were projected underdogs for six of their next eight games, including their top 25 matchup against Ampersand U. And they showed up to Vegas looking to cut your bet slips in half because they believed in your ass. That's a Sam Pittman reference. I, I hope y'all understand, right? Waffle House, church, you, you, you were there, you remember. By God, they beat ranked Texas, they beat ranked Texas A&M, and now, after securing the Texas State title, they got those doggone dogs. But UGA better come correct. The Hogs might bring the devil on down to Georgia if you get what I'm fiddling at. The Hogs got that look like how a bigger boy are you? Getting ready to get the 55-gallon drum of whoop-ass and might pour it all on you. Rank Arkansas in the top 10, you cowards. Now, North Carolina State has brought back Clemson. With the win in double overtime to knock off the original Death Valley Tigers, the final score was North Carolina State 27. Clemson is not making the playoff. <laughs> A man we thought would compete for the Heisman this year. Clemson quarterback DJ Uwe Unglele was just 12-26 for just 111 yards with two tutties and a pick. Clemson running back Will Shipley rushed for just 36 yards on 11 carries. Honestly, though, Big 12, Pac-12, Big 10 fans ought to send Wolfpack flowers. They've done uh, three of the five Power 5 conferences a tremendous favor. All of a sudden, 2021 Clemson looking real 2020 LSU. Look, Wake Forest has twice as many wins as Clemson does at the start of October. The best take is a fact people want to argue, and I dare you, bring it. Unranked Clemson, you cowards. It's not that Southern Methodist, Whoop Texas Christian, 42-34, at Fort Worth to retain their granddaddy's heirloom in the probate fight for the iron skillet. It's also that the Mustangs planted their flag on the frogs at center field, which is perfect because Baker Mayfield once claimed that Gary Patterson told him his hands were too small to play quarterback at Texas Christian. He also told Miami quarterback De'Ara King he was so good at quarterback at Manville High, 
that he can return punts and play slot receiver in Fort Worth. What I'm saying is, Gary Patterson and Texas Christian hit as much as they miss. And today, well, today was a miss. But today, Southern Methodist not only has former Oklahoma quarterback Tanner Mordecai and tight end Grant Calcaterra making plays, they're captains on a team that's foe and oh. As Sooner fans chanting they want to see Caleb Williams where Spencer Rattler stands undefeated. Good Lord. All right, look. Oklahoma won a slugfest 16-13 on a game-winning kick from Gabe Burkich. But the story, like a red-faced angry baby, is the Rattler. In this simile, the baby is a bunch of spoiled rotten Sooner fans, okay? Rattler was 26-36 for 256, excuse me, with a TD and a pick. But hey, look, 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 look. You're in a game with a West Virginia team that just knocked off a top 25 Virginia Tech team. Lots being made about Oklahoma only rushing 57 yards, fewest amount of yards rushed for in the game since 2012. And they won the game. I'm looking at Notre Dame fans going, where's our rushing attack against the best rush defense they're going to face, not named Bama. And you know how it goes when Oklahoma or Notre Dame play Bama in the playoff era. So what I'm saying is, do you believe in style points or do you not believe in style points? Because I think that winning matters. I don't care that you lost by two points to the number one team in the country because you lost. And I simply do not care that death, taxes, and Oklahoma fans, indeed football fans, always seem to think the backup is better than the starter because the dude getting paid six, seven million dollars a year just ain't good at his job. Miss me with this anarchy around trying to get the five-star Rattler off of your quarterback couch. Look here. You are blessed at quarterback. And Lord bless these spoiled bratty children who are not satisfied with a five-star Rattler. Goodness me. See, now I got to say nice things about Texas. You see what you done? See? I'm already riled up. We're we not even halfway through the show. I'm already riled up. With a 70-35 win against the Red Raiders, Longhorn coach Steve Sarkeesian became the first Texas coach to win three of his first four games since Fred Akers started 4-0 in 1977. Now, he had a Heisman Trophy winning tailback that year by the name of Earl Campbell, for whom we get the Tyler Rose. Since then, there's been a Ricky Williams, there's been a Cedric Benson, there's been a Jamal Charles, there's been a Deontay Foreman, and now there is a B. John Robinson, which means, take a look at this graphic right here. Remember we was roasting me about this? Remember this? Twitters? Remember this? Robinson had 20 touches for 191 yards with a TD. Texas quarterback Casey Thompson hit 18 to 23 for 303 with five tutties. And the Longhorns put up 70 on a previously undefeated Texas Tech. But right now, y'all need to really take in this graphic. See my number one tandem? 
is Thompson and Robson, who I've been yelling about for eight months. Then Steve Sarkeesian go pull the rug out from Money Man's, put his card in there, only come back with Casey Thompson and B. John Robinson combining for doggone near 500 years of offense. That's all I'm saying. Now, the most important question for Longhorn fans, is Texas back to being ranked in my top 25? Check the Fox Sports app in the AM or show up on Tuesday to the number one ranked show at 7 p.m. East Standard Time, and we got you. Michigan beat Rutgers 20-13 to improve to 4-0. It's not just that Rutgers had a chance to win this game late and messed that up three times. It's that they had a chance to ruin Michigan's homecoming. You know how pissed I'd be to know I let an opportunity to ruin homecoming, go by that I could have made like Tobias Wolf and told all of y'all viewers, you can't go home again. Instead, we, 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 we have this. I'm telling you though, Rutgers, you could be off to your best start, not just since 2012, but since 2006. That's the last time, you know, Greg Schiano had it humming. They went for nine straight wins. And then with this game against Michigan, it's one of the biggest games of Schiano's career, one of the biggest in Rutgers school history, and they've been playing football since 1869. Look, you got a chance here, but the Wolverines are putting up 35.7 a game, and the Scarlet Jamal Walkers, that's a Black Knight reference, have given up just 34 points all year. All right? What I'm saying is, do not squander this opportunity. You're going on the road against a ranked opponent. This is your opportunity to take your respect, baby. Go take your respect. That's what I'm telling you. I, uh... It's not my best take. It's not... You know, I, I take some I take some solace in, in, in Rutgers within it at the end. They get, like, blown out or nothing. Ooh-wee, Rutgers. Okay, yeah. You got any egg? I, I, mm, Rutgers. Okay. <clears throat> Rutgers outside the top 25. That's a spoiler. Um, Baylor beat a ranked Iowa State 31 to 29, which led me to this thought. What does or what do Baylor, Boston College, Maryland, Southern Methodist, Oklahoma State, Wake Forest, Army, Wyoming, Texas, San Antonio, all have in common. You ready? You ready? You ready? They all have twice as many wins as Clemson, and none of them are ranked in the AP poll. There better be some moving and shaking over there because the damn sure there's going to be some moving and shaking in my top 25 rankings. I can't wait to put these together. All right, so check this out. Remember we was talking about my man, Rahiv Ramidian Ismail? Otherwise known as Rocket, you know, to the folks that just don't want to roll their R's and work on the pronunciation of this man's given name. Uh, look, I wanted to talk about my top 25 Notre Dame players in large part because I saw Chris Tyree out there wearing Rocket's number 25 and all he did was take 96 yards back to the house untouched. All right, so with that in mind, 
Let's go through my top five Notre Dame players. And at number five, I got King Catfish, man, Tail. When he left the ND, Tail's 437 tackles, ranked third all time in school history, behind Bob Crable and Bob Golick. That's Tao and then two dudes who played before targeting the internet and pass happy offenses. Speaking of pass happy offenses, I was covering the 2012 game where Tao led Bob Diaco's defense in a monumental upset of my Oklahoma Sooners in Norman. That's the same night James Harden was traded from OKC to Houston and it still hurts. That defense allowed just 10.3 a game and the Irish were undefeated in the regular season. Teo led the team in tackles with 103 and INTs that year en route to the only national title appearance the Irish have made this century. After winning nearly every defensive award there was to win, he finished second to Johnny Manziel in the Heisman. And he did all that with a girlfriend that really had her hooks into him. Number four, I got Jeff Samarja, ranks third all-time in school history in receptions with 179, and was big noon kickoff analyst Brady Quinn's favorite target, was named to an All-America and two-time, excuse me, to an All-America team, and was a two-time Bolitnikoff Award finalist, and had a professional life as an all-star pitcher. And he's got one of the coolest nicknames in sports, and quite frankly, my goddaughter's favorite animal, shark. Okay, number three, we got my man's, Rahib Ramirian Ismail, otherwise known as Rocket. It's not just that he was a world-class sprinter with 10.2 meter speed, it's just that the average that he had in rush yards was eight and 21 yards per catch same year. It's also that he led Notre Dame to, you know, their last national title that they have won. I'm, I'm, you see where I'm going with this? National titles kind of matter. He accomplished a feat at Michigan Stadium no other opposing player had in the previous three decades. He returned to kickoff for a touchdown. Twice. Bo Schembechler later told reporters he's faster than the speed of sound. He may be the best I've ever seen. Do you need more than Bo Schembechler telling you about the best he's ever seen? You probably do. That's why we got Tim Brown at number two. As a junior, the man the Irish called Touchdown Timmy set the school all-purpose yards record with 1,937 in one year. That year, he rushed for 254 yards. He caught 45 passes for 910 yards. In 1987, the year he won the Heisman, he caught 34 balls for 846 yards. That's about 25 yards per catch. Rushed for 144, gained 456 on 23 kick returns and 34 punt returns for 401 yards. My man was working like government mule to get to a total of eight touchdowns. When he left Notre Dame, he had caught 137 passes, 2,493 yards, and amassed an ND record 5,024 all-purpose yards. Then there's this. There are just 10 men 
who have won the Heisman and Inter Canton as Pro Football Hall of Famers. Two played at Notre Dame. One is Paul Horning and the other is Tim Brown. But Paul Horning ain't on this list because he never should have won the Heisman in the first place. As I wrote last summer on FoxSports.com in the app, Jim Brown accounted for more than 1,000 yards from scrimmage and averaged better than six yards per clip in 1956 in just eight games. The Orange finished 7-1 that season with a cotton bowl berth, but Brown finished fifth in the Heisman voting that year. The man voters gave the award to Paul Horning. That man somehow won the Heisman while throwing 13 interceptions and just three touchdowns while quarterback in a Notre Dame team that finished two and eight. Look, that's not a player that should be winning the Heisman or even talked about as one of the greatest players of all time. Any award that could give Paul Horning the trophy in 1956 and couldn't crown the likes of Jim Brown, let alone acknowledge HBCUs, or act as if defense players and offensive linemen cannot be the best player in the sport, needs to be destroyed, rebuilt into one that does. And at number one, I have Alan Page. No, not Joe Montana, who we'll talk about here in a second. I'm gonna get it all in one sentence on Alan Page. Check this out. Former Notre Dame consensus All-American defensive tackle Alan Page led ND to a share of the 1966 national title and is the first ever black Minnesota Supreme Court justice and has been inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame and is the greatest ND player of all time. And as for Montana, he isn't even a College Football Hall of Famer. He is kept from entering the College Football Hall of Fame because to be selected, you have to have been named a first-team All-American by a major outlet. You have to be one of the best players in the country according to someone's list, like this one, to be considered one of the best players of all time. Those are the National Football Foundation's rules, and they decide who gets inducted and who doesn't into the College Football Hall of Fame. With four Super Bowl rings, three Super Bowl MVPs, two NFL MVPs, Let's just call Joe Montana what he is, a late bloomer. That's our show for today. Thank you to our sponsor, DirecTV Stream. Our show is produced by Katherine Donnelly. Our show is directed by John Marcus. Our lead of screening is Rachel Cohn. Our social media manager is Javion Duncan, and we are executively produced by Kristen Hurley. He, I... M.R.J. Young, and that is it for me. Deuces.